Father, again, we just thank you for the family that you've put us in, that you never leave us orphans, that if we draw near to you, you will always draw near to us. And this morning, we're hungry. We're not just here for an experience, but we're here for you. We want to know you more. And so just bless this time. Bless your word, God. Give revelation again and help us honor your word and honor your voice and let us learn what it means to walk in faith. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's really this morning as I got my breakthrough and I was just waiting on the Lord and I was worshiping. Uh, really the subject that most strongly uh, impacted me was the nature of faith. And, uh, you know, there, there are so many aspects of what it means to be a person of faith, to uh, walk in faith, to live by faith, to be keeping the faith, but there are other aspects of it, too. There's aspects of putting your faith in someone who may not be trustworthy. I mean, that's one aspect of faith. But today, what I really want to look at is the kind of faith that leads toward a relationship with God. And uh, we know uh, in Hebrews 11:6, which we'll review in a minute, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Ho! Oh! So when I think about that, it's like, do we do things because we think they are right or true? Or do we do things because we think it'll bring God, our Father, joy? Or are we just randomly doing things and it's not connected to anything else? There's no sense of truth in it. And so it's, it's I know faith unlocks God's presence. Faith unlocks God's power in our lives. Faith primarily is what unlocks the relationship that we share with him. And so as I often do, I, I looked up the word that's used in Hebrews 11.6, and it's uh, pestos, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's Greek, and it means to win over, to persuade, or to convict, uh, to have conviction. So God wants to win us over. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to persuade us that he's trustworthy. And I even like the word conviction. How many people actually operate according to their beliefs, their faith, their conviction that what they're doing, they're doing because it's true, because it's right. And how do you form those convictions so, uh, you know, Lissa did a wonderful job again today in worship, and the first song was, I want to magnify him. Well, how do you magnify him? You walk according to his ways. You walk according to his word, to his promises, to his voice in your life. And the more you are operating according to your convictions, just like the convictions that our leadership team had about closing the church down during this pandemic for everyone's safety, and then the conviction of now, I think the time is right. We're hearing from the Lord. We want to do it the right way, the best any of us can do. And even though some people have these convictions and other people have those convictions, the most important thing is we can come to God and say, but Lord, this is my heart. These are my convictions, and I'm going to live out of that for you. Another definition for the word uh, pistos, pestos, anyone know how to pronounce it? Joel? Pistos. 
Pistos, that's what I would say. Okay, pistos. Uh, it also means a belief in the truth. And ultimately, Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the last word that they use for defining faith is reality, which I really like. What is the ultimate reality? Seeing life, your circumstances, your decisions through the eyes of Jesus, because he is the living embodiment of truth and love simultaneously. And so, Lord, I want to know reality. I don't want to know some fantasy. I don't want to know some opinion. I don't want to know just some deception. I want to know what is true and what you consider reality in this world. Um, I'm not going to build on these, but I just want to refer to them, a couple of the famous faith uh, verses. Of course, Hebrews 11.1 1 is by faith, all the mighty people of God. And it says, it's, that's the verse that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what you're hoping for in God, there's some substance, there's something substantial. You don't have it yet, you don't own it yet, but for you, you are so convinced, so convicted, you know the truth so deeply that before you're holding it or seeing it, you already possess it. You, you have uh, substance in it. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. So I don't know about you, but my training, my thought of reality is, well, if I can see it, it's tangible, it's more real than the thing I can't see. And in reality, by faith, it's the opposite. The unseen realm is more real than the seen realm. In the seen realm, there's deception, and there's perspective, and there's opinions, and there's all of that stuff that has to go through interpretation, where in reality, if God says, boom, here's what I've said to you, that now has eternal weight and substance to it. And so our verse today is Hebrews 11.6. It reads, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. So when we do things with doubt, when we do things that are random or arbitrary, when we do things for our own motivation and without concern for what's true or best, He's not pleased. He can't bless a life that's operating willy-nilly out of randomness. He wants somebody to be operating out of a place of conviction and of belief, but not just a general belief, oh, I believe I like steak and I believe chocolate is good, but the real faith, the deeper faith, is it's impossible to please him without faith for whoever would draw near to God. Hold on. I don't know why that part has never popped out at me as much as it is now. I'm talking about people who first believe there is a God. And their desire is like in Genesis where it says, and then people called on the name of the Lord. People knew God was there because their grandma, grandpa, great-grandpa Adam told them, I had a relationship with God. I used to walk in the garden with God. And they go, hey, God is real, and I want to draw near. I want to acknowledge that he's there, but he's also not far away. He wants to be close. So whoever would draw near to God first must believe that he exists, makes sense, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, I love 
Bill Johnson's interpretation of this, you know, to that false humility in Christianity and, oh, it's all for Jesus and nothing for me and, you know, uh, I don't do anything good for any kind of recognition or blessing or reward. And that's upside down because in the kingdom there are rewards. When you walk by faith, when you do things to honor God, when you do things to bring him joy, it in turn opens a door for blessing, for freedom for empowerment into your life because God is good. And when you do something for him, he knows how to respond with good toward you. And so to be expecting that blessing from the one who loves to protect and provide is just reasonable, actually. Oh, this is a very powerful verse. I encourage you, it's just one verse, verse 6, Meditate on it, ask the Lord about it, press into his presence, even using this verse. Father, what areas of my life am I not operating in faith? What areas do I not have a clear conviction of what you would have me do? God, let me come draw near to you. Let me think about you. Let me turn my heart and my thoughts and my mind toward you, knowing that you're there and that, God, I want to do what you want me to do because it's right and it's good and you'll reward it. So I had a very interesting experience. Many, Some of you know our daughter, Alyssa, and uh, just an amazing young woman and really dedicated to her education, but she's dedicated to service. And so when she was in New York, she was uh, part of the Council on Foreign Relations. She was serving in the administrative office there, and they actually asked Lori and I to be part of a, a group that informs the Council on Faith and foreign policy, which has been a great honor. I listened to these incredible discussions about foreign uh, affairs issues, but then integrate, you know, an aspect of belief, of faith, uh, you know, into those kinds of issues. And so uh, that has been interesting, but now Alyssa's studying her master's program, and her mentor is very deeply involved on a national level with space policy. So again, Alyssa being this door opener, she uh, invited us to sit in on a discussion about space, sustainability, and faith. And so I, I sat in, it was hosted in East Germany. There were these people literally from representing the Vatican, people representing uh, the nation of Israel, people from universities. And it was a very interesting panel, and these people were highly qualified and very involved in space policy. They knew their stuff. But because it was concerning uh, faith and perspective on the use of space, there was a Jewish representative, a Catholic representative, there was a Muslim professor, there was a Buddhist, there was somebody from uh, more of the Orthodox Christian Church in England, and I was more an observer of all these discussions. But what really stood out to me was all of these people were genuine people of faith. They believed that God existed and that God cared. And what really stood out to me was the, the unity in the basic perspective and the voice of that group and in that discussion and they believed in God they believed this is his creation and we have responsibilities as stewards 
of that creation to honor, to not pollute, to respect one another. And the other major theme that came out from all these different faith perspectives was, as far as I could tell, everyone on the panel is like, oh, by the way, we are the ones who would need to fight for peace in space, that people um, shouldn't use it aggressively, shouldn't use it uh, as a weapon against others. Uh, it was very, uh, it, it, I, I thought about it for weeks, actually, because I had a, a genuine respect for these people, because first off, they were people of faith. And what does it mean to not be a person of faith? I mean, is life really random and arbitrary and you don't really have a focus? Or are you putting your faith in something unstable, something, uh, are you just putting your faith in yourself, in some gifting that you have? Or is there a greater faith that there's something more than just you and your perspective? So that was very intriguing and uh, I, I we, we don't set the terms of how we approach God in faith. We approach him on his terms, of course. But part of that is a gift. Uh, my old mentor, John Lancaster, used to say faith is a noun and faith is a verb. And the noun of faith is the gift of faith. And it's a gift that you really, in, in some areas, don't deserve. God is the one who intervened. God is the one who spoke. God is the one that revealed something to you for you to apprehend and then respond with faith. And so if he didn't do a preceding work, you couldn't manufacture it yourself. And so the gift of faith can lead you into a place of what people will call saving faith. The faith that not only saves your soul, thank God, I'm grateful for eternal life, but it also is now operating in healing and deliverance and wholeness. Salvation is a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth through the lives of people of faith. And so that's kind of the noun of faith. But then the verb of faith is what you walk in. It's living in faith. It's trusting his word. It's your response. Like Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God spoke to him. He had faith. He believed God. But then he took that next step of action, of activating the faith that God had put in his heart. And the same way that we know that we want a connection with God, we want to draw near, and the way that he has made possible for anyone who has saving faith is putting your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you take that verb, that step of faith, okay, I believe what God said. Jesus is that open door of living a life of faith and that is when it becomes an action and a verb and begins to manifest the very kingdom of heaven on earth. Um, a verse that really struck me a while ago, um, I'll only refer to it as Galatians 5, 6. And Paul is talking about 
circumcision and uncircumcision and people who are saying, well, if you're going to you know, know God and walk with God, you have to be circumcised. And he's like, it, circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter, even though it was a huge uh, issue in his time. He said the only thing that counts is faith working through love. So Paul thought in faith that he was persecuting the church to honor God. God intervened and confronted him, and then by faith his whole, the trajectory of his life shifted to now blessing and serving the church because he had a greater revelation, and his faith now was going to not just be working to persecute, but he was actually going to flow out of the love that God had for him in that divine intervention, and his work now was going to be responding in faith to the love that God put in his heart. And that is the filter, the lens through which all of our activity will either produce good fruit or if it's not done in love, it won't produce good fruit. So I wanted to give a couple of practical illustrations. I have an activation for today as well. But for me, one of my first real personal experiences in how faith operates in a practical way in our lives was early in our marriage. Uh, Lori and I were looking for our first house. And the process took about three months. We were misled by some realtors, overpromised, underdelivered. Some people didn't show up. Uh, we had trouble with some qualifying for different things. It was a very stressful process. And, and whenever something didn't work out, I felt like, oh, someone else is going to get my house. And if I don't handle it right, I'm not going to be able to provide for my family the right way. And I mean, I had all this stress and pressure. And by the time we finally closed on our first house, I was so mad at that house for all the stress that it put me through. That it was like, well, you know, I, I'll, I'm sure I'll be able to live in peace at some point in this place, but right now I'm, I was just agitated. And uh, then the next time we were looking for a home, I know this sounds funny, but I was just thinking it through, and it's like, wait a minute, get me out of the equation altogether, because I still had the influence of some orphan thinking in my mind. It's like God maybe you know, doesn't care for me that much, but I know he cares for Lori. I know he cares for my children. I know he cares where we live, the house that we get, that he really wants to guide us into his provision for us in a home. And so Lori and I went through the next approximately three months, misled by realtors, uh, people not showing up, uh, trouble getting the financing. We, we went through virtually outwardly the same exact process but every time something happened, it's like, wait, I know God cares about where we live. I'm looking, I'm walking to find what he is doing in this situation, in this circumstance. And I had this peace that I did not previously have. And when I moved into that house, it was like, God, thank you. This is your provision for us. This is a place where we can grow as a family. I am so grateful. Can you hear that it, all of it had to do with just an attitude of faith? either trusting God in the process or trying to work it out in my own strength and understanding. That was an incredibly practical uh, understanding of what living by faith, walking by faith, uh, looks like for me. And so uh, this last Tuesday night, we were doing the, the Way of Life class with Bill Johnson, 
And again, it was extraordinary. I loved the input that people gave about the parts of the teaching that really impacted them. Uh, but at the end, one of the activation questions was to ask, what area of weakness in your life would you like to see God's power set you free from? And uh, so we waited on the Lord for a moment, like, okay, Lord, is there an area of my weakness that I need your power, not try hard or stupid, but your actual empowerment? You're going to give me a word that is going to unlock this area so that I can walk in a new area of freedom in my life. Isn't that a great question, by the way? Uh, Alyssa, again, you sang the song. I hadn't heard it before about in my weakness, in my failure, I come and yet you love. And I'm like, wow, so this girl has got to quit eavesdropping on my soul and picking songs that uh, are for a message I haven't written yet. It's kind of incredible to me. Ho! So uh, in that moment, as I waited on the Lord, because I've practiced hearing his voice, I've practiced honoring his word, Here's what I heard, and it, it has provoked me more this week than a lot of things that I normally hear. I asked, uh, okay, Lord, what do you want to, you know, to talk about? And I heard time. All he said was the word time. I went, okay. And here's a great thing. If you think God is starting to speak something to you, uh, and you, you want to press in, draw near to him and hear, don't overanalyze it. Don't say, oh, that must be uh, the pizza I had last night. Don't, don't. Just, if you hear a word, all you have to do is say, Lord, what do you want to show me about that? Have an open attitude of like, I want an interaction with you, God. So I did that. I didn't, for, honestly, at first, at, at time, that I, that's me. I, I did exactly the thing I'm telling you not to do. I started to analyze it, and then I remembered, and I went, oh, okay, no, Lord, what do you want to show me? And here's what I heard. Um, my time, his time, our time, it's not about schedules, planning, or agendas. It's about being with me all the time. Will you be in control of your time, or will you let me be in control of your time? Whatever time you think it is. So whether it's my time and I want to flake out, whether I think, oh, I'm doing devotion, so Lord, it's your time or it's our time. Uh, he, the most important point I have, and this is connected to another area of faith for me, I love his word. I love his voice. And I believe when either through revelation by the spirit from his word or an interaction that you have with him, anything he speaks to you personally is already empowered to fulfill itself. God is not like, so you better try your best. You better work yourself you know, into a frenzy or my best for you isn't going to come to pass. That is not the way he speaks to his kids. When he speaks into any area of your life, I'm more convinced than ever, that also comes with the empowerment to walk in the thing that he is talking to you about. Do you understand? And now that has moved from a theory to a practical heart expression for me. So when God said, I want to talk to you about time, and are you going to be in control of your time or are you going to let me be, my underlying understanding of that is, oh, he's calling me 
to be more aware of what he's doing moment by moment of giving him my time. But what if he doesn't want me to watch TV? What if he doesn't want me to spend time on the boat? What if he doesn't want me to do what I want to do? And I don't know about you, but I have to be honest. I am much more in control of my schedule normally than allowing the Lord to actually be in control and whatever uh, sense that I have, whatever prompting that I feel, if I'm knowing that it's him, I have this faith now that if he told me we're going to talk about time and me being more a part of your time, I know he's empowering me to do it. And in the craziest way, this last, since, Thursday, since Tuesday night, when I have a little block of time in front of me, there's an excitement like a kid. Oh, God, what do you want to do with this time? Lord, is there something you're doing in this moment? Is there something you have for me? Because I know if I can yield my time to him, I'm going to have a better time. It won't be you know, easy necessarily, and there are going to be challenges, but there are going to be challenges that I am facing with his empowerment. So uh, I, I hope this is practical enough for you of how it's supposed to work. And... Uh, knowing his word and beginning to trust his word and to walk on his word and his promises and his voice in your life is what maturity is all about. Uh, oh, and as a side note, I forgot to mention this. Um, Mark uh, Tubbs did a great job last week, I thought, and uh, he mentioned a maturity inventory, an assessment that you can take, and he asked us to put it online. So it is on our website. If you go to abidingplace.us, go to the homepage, up in the upper right-hand um, corner where there are the pull-downs, click on that, and there are messages. Click on messages, and the first thing that comes up is the maturity, um, what is it? It's maturity evaluation, relational maturity uh, evaluation. Lori and I haven't had the guts to take it yet because I know we're not very mature, at least I'm not. Um, but I do plan on taking it, but if, if for those of you who have been wondering or asking, that's where it is. I've had uh, several people ask. So um, right now, what I want to do uh, as an activation is, um, you know, I mentioned I love his word. You're not going to be able to see this very well, but I've kept a collection of my life verses. There, I had to make four columns. It's in nine-point font, and each one is a verse that God has spoken to me about, a verse that I have stood upon in a different time or taught on. And so any one of these, you could say, okay, what's your story behind that verse? And, and I actually have one. Here's what God revealed to me. Here's how I stood upon that. Here's how I activated it in my life. Uh, when I showed this to our dear friend, Emily Trower, she just looked at this page of, of verses and she goes, wow, you are really old to have had enough time to have experiences with all those verses. And it's like, okay, I guess that's a compliment. Thank you. But I do love his word because it reveals his nature to me. And he reveals himself to me through the word. But I also want the freshly breathed word, that rhema that comes with a sense of him speaking personally into my life with that empowerment that I need for breakthrough. And I want him to do that for everyone listening right now today. So we're going to take a quick pause, and I want you to quiet yourself, be in an attitude of just worship and prayerfulness, and I want you to ask him, 
if there's an area of weakness in your life that he wants to give you a word for, he, you want to see his power in that area to set you free for you to get your breakthrough. So if you are willing, just let's pause for a moment. Um, that's exactly what I did when the Lord told me he wanted to show me about him being more in my time. So, Father, bless this time. Holy Spirit, come. Your sons and daughters are eager to continue to grow. You love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us the way we are. So we bring our areas of weakness, uh, even of failure, before you. And, Lord, I ask for you to give a word to your sons and daughters that will bring breakthrough in that area of their life. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for speaking to your sons and daughters. Whatever area you've prompted anyone in, I ask for the grace for them to wait on you later and to press into that and to have you speak even more to them specifically about that area of weakness that you're healing right now. I thank you, God. And I know for some of you that may have felt a little bit awkward, but that's the difference between talking about things and actually living and walking in faith. You, you need to be able to respond. And I was thinking this morning how much I love his word, how much I love his voice, and I realized his word brings me strength. And it doesn't just bring strength into my life. That's my strength. It's actually his strength. It empowers and motivate, motivates and draws me. It inspires me to live according to the word and the vision God has for my life. And so as we're wrapping up, I have two quick things I want to do. Um, Lori and I recently watched the movie, again, Crocodile Dundee. And there's a scene in that movie that grabbed me the first time that I saw it. And he's walking with the, the reporter. And um, he was talking about Jesus. And he said, well, you know, Jesus and those apostles, they were all fishermen like me. And he goes, yep, God and me, we're mates. And I heard that. It's like, that is so he, so simple, but so beautiful. He had no doubt. He had faith that God could relate to him and that he and God were friends. They were mates. And so right now, whoever's listening, if you don't know that you and God are mates, if you are not sure if God exists, I encourage you to Talk to somebody, 
to begin to read his word, to see how God will reveal himself to you, to confirm. And don't if you doubt that you know God exists, then you already don't really have that kind of faith that you need. And I believe God wants to reveal that to you today. He wants you to have the kind of faith that leads you to draw near to him and for him to reward you as you draw near to him. And the greatest reward that he gives any of us is his presence. It's not that we just get the job we want or we get, you know, a good thing happen in our life. The greatest reward is knowing him and his heart toward you and his ability to speak to you. So, Father, right now, anybody who doesn't know for sure that you exist, who they don't really know that you are the creator, they're created in your image. I ask, Father, for you to reveal yourself to them through your word, through a friend, in prayer, that they will come to a point of deep conviction, belief, and faith that you exist and that you are good and that you speak into our lives even now. Father, I thank you for that relationship that you made possible by the sacrifice of your only son for Jesus to reconcile them back to your amazing Father's heart. So if that's you, I just encourage you, make that decision and press into uh, drawing near to God. And if you're already his mate, if you're already his friend, then I encourage and challenge you to press into that area of weakness that we prayed about today. If you didn't hear anything, don't get stressed about it. Just take some time, maybe get a piece of paper, get a pen, sit in God's presence, maybe have some worship music on in the background, and have the courage to trust his character, his nature enough to say, Father, here's an area of brokenness, of weakness, uh, I've given it to you many times before, perhaps, but Lord, I want a word from you that I can trust, that I can stand on. I know your word will contain all the empowerment I need to get the breakthrough that I am asking for from you in Jesus' name. So have the courage to acknowledge you're probably not perfect yet. Ask your spouse, any of your friends, they probably have a good idea that you're not perfect also. And so, uh, Father, I delight in you today. I thank you that we are called to live by faith, that we are men and women of faith. And as we operate to the gift of faith that you've given us and we step out in trust and confidence in you, you love to bless and reward our steps of faith. God, help us step out of confusion. Help us step out of doubt and double-mindedness. And God, help us step into that place where we're living for your truth, that we want faith to work in perfect love through each of our lives. So give us a hunger for your word, Lord, that we can see you revealed to us in it. Give us a hunger to spend the time with you and a confidence that your voice, that still small voice will come. And Lord, now in a new level of faith for me personally and for everyone listening, when that voice comes, let us know it's not our um, perseverance. It isn't our performance that's going to make your word come about, but Lord, that you're going to empower us by that word to see the fulfillment of all that you purpose for us as we trust you in it. 
I ask all of this in Jesus' name. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. God bless you all. Remember your masks. We'll have some available. Wash your hands and take care of yourselves. Bye.